0: My name is Trevor Strunk, Hickelbott on Twitter. And today we have with us uh, someone who I've actually wanted to have on the show uh, since I played their last game. uh, And and I'm playing, uh, well, I don't know if it was your last game. We should talk about that. But uh, one of their last games, uh, which was Firewatch. um, And I'm currently playing their newest game, Neocab. Uh, Welcome to Patrick Ewing. Patrick, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks
1: for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm really stoked to be here. And I'm I remember when we first connected, I was like, I am halfway through this game and I'm closer to being done with this than finishing Firewatch, but only very, like, barely. So <laughs> it's a long time coming.
0: Yeah, it's, um. I mean, it. it I, I felt like I kept seeing uh, stuff that you were posting about it and I've been following the NeoCab account for a while and just keeping tabs on it. And it's, like, it's cool to see it develop because I remember, like, I mean, this is more a triple-A problem than an indie problem, but, like, the, you know, like, when, when games are announced and there's sort of, like, a general kind of, like, ideology or ethos behind them, um, I'm always worried that that ethos is going to not uh, translate into the actual game, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. Like uh, I remember with the last Far Cry game, the whole thing was oh, it's about the alt right, it's about you know, like it's it's all this stuff. It it's definitely takes a shot at the right, and then right. it wasn't that. They pulled every
1: punch, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So when you told me that this was like a gig, gig economy game, or like a critique of the gig economy, and it actually like you start playing it, uh, and I'm I I told Patrick early on, I'm trying I'm trying to balance out where I should play these games to in episodes because I feel like people get worried if episodes are spoiler heavy, and I. uh in my literary work and video game work only want to talk about the endings of things. Uh I uh I, I did not play to the end, uh, but I played through the first day, uh, which is like an hour probably. And um you will absolutely uh see the gig economy themes. I mean they're right there. They're uh not not, not in a not in a like hit you over the head way, but the game's about the gig economy, just like you said.
1: Yeah, yeah, we absolutely like it was super important to us to to get that right and hearing from um, real Lyft and Uber drivers that that it felt true to the experience was one of the most important things for us to hear uh, through playtesting and especially after launch. Um, mm. I guess the main thing I would just say there is um, we realized really soon we were going to have to. Uh, nerf the difficulty of the gig economy in some ways to make the game, like, playable. Uh,
0: I was (laughs) very stressed initially. I'm like, I am going to get two stars for this ride. I am done for.
1: Yep, yep. It is wild. That that was actually one of the things we had to make easier, um, because uh, maintaining a 4.7 or 4.8 rating, um, it's one or the other for Lyft and Uber now, I forget uh, which. But is incredibly hard with when a single one star aver- uh, one star rating can like throw your average way way off it takes yeah. so many perfect ratings to counteract that and yeah so early on we um, we had to like lessen the difficulty to like a 4.0 minimum
0: <laughs> yeah it um it, it's funny like that actually is is referenced in the game when you talk to uh, one of your uh, writers and they're like, oh yeah I had to keep it at four point eight and your character can be like wow, 4.8, that's like way higher than I had to. And they say, yeah, yeah just like one person who has a bad day uh, and you're starting from scratch.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: So the game itself is, uh, it, I, I would say it's sort of presented in the form of kind of like a a, a robust visual novel. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's, um, it's not exactly what we set out to make. Like we weren't like, we're making a visual novel, but in many ways we kind of discussed like, what am I, like, it it slotted into that genre really neatly and found the kind of audience who loves visual novels, I think, loves, um, has been really responding well to Neocab. But then, yeah, we, like, we decided to break with a lot of, like, like, the most basic tropes, you know, like, Mm -hmm. or uh, mostly in terms of UI, I would say, actually, like, like, we, um, trying to have cinematic camera angles where everything feels like it's taking place in real space, or, borrowing um a chat bubble style from like comic books instead of just using like a, a solid block of text around the bottom of the screen it's just those those sorts of like little touches that um because we didn't start out trying to make a visual novel make it feel a little different for me but um but yeah in terms of the 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 way you navigate the story i would say it's definitely
0: a visual novel yeah it's like it's super stylistic though i i, I agree with you like it it feels it was funny. I um. I went from playing a game that's kind of like a visual novel in uh, Jenny Leclue uh, to to this. And, and funny, like you're both both. Uh, I, I just talked to uh, one of the devs from Jenny Leclue too, and and you're both on the Apple Arcade. And that is not where I played either game. Uh, which <laughs> feels a little like I'm missing the boat. But I also, you know, I, I have my I have my preferences. I would always prefer to play on PC. But the um, yeah yeah, like the 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 uh what's the word for this like the jump between the two games was very strange because like all of a sudden it felt like a visual novel but the style was like more than visual novel mm. and so when i when i came back to it a second time i felt myself like ease into it almost immediately like it's like oh yeah this is actually like this is very comfortable this is very specific this gives me sort of like an obvious feeling and it's sort of like nice. it feels a little more active i guess
1: yeah, I, I, I really do love um, that we storyboarded out every shot and we took a lot of references from like from cinema and from like especially taxi movies that we love, like mm. Jim Jarmusch's A Night on Earth or um, Collateral even mm-hmm. um, or or uh, uh, The Night Of. Like we 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 looked at all of that, all of those. And then that's like having specific camera placements, even though the characters are like 2D or 2.5D. Um having all the camera placements be in real space um, and having the, like, lighting effects passing over really did contribute to a vibe of being in the car that um, I do feel like is missing in some visual novels where it's just a character and then, like, a 2D background, and that's, like, all the depth you get, you know?
0: Yeah, no, and I kind of, like, one of the things I appreciate about this game is, you know, Neocab is, like, it's very much focused on... Uh, giving you a, a, a sort of like a fully realized space with with lots of different characters and and lots of different things, and then sort of like the city of Los Ojos is its own thing, but it's not done by way of. And you know, I've enjoyed games that have done this too, so it's not a slight, but it's rarer to see it this way, where it's not given to you by way of like a million word script. It's given to you by way of like it feels very uh, economic the way you wrote it
1: thanks yeah that's I mean all credit to our writing team there oh um,
0: uh, no, I didn't even ask what's yeah. your uh, what's your what's your uh, what is your preferred title on this game what did you do on this game I always ask every dev I talk to because it is so opaque until you actually ask someone
1: right um, well <laughs> I'm I'm called creative director it's not a title I'm super comfortable with okay. because I um, I really I um, like I've always wanted to like put as much like blood sweat and tears into every like element every like small piece of the game as everyone else on the team did so it was like a massively collaborative um effort I would say where there was like a core team of like uh six people and then like a constellation of like of I would say about 10 more creative folks who like directly contributed words or art or uh, code cool. uh, to the game um, and then yeah for me like I really wanted um, coming off firewatch where I was like uh, definitely like the junior member of the team uh, I really wanted to touch every piece and and like know how every single element, worked so in many ways like, i would consider myself the worst member of every team on Neocam, <laughs> you know um, most of most days i check in and i'm just the worst coder the worst writer the, you know okay, what i mean all right i'm not an artist and then as a creative director i think all i really do is like hold the vision and like once in a while, like mostly just get out of people's way and say like, you know, let you do your own thing. And then once in a while you have to say like, no, nah, no, we can't
0: do that. <laughs> but that's it. Really. No, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's sort of like the jack of all trades, master of none, but you're, you're really embracing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Good.
0: No, I, I love that. Like I love, I guess what I really like about that description is like, it, it feels like you have this sort of like, um, I don't know this management role in a way, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Obviously, we're talking about a game with like heavy anti-capitalist uh, sentiment, yeah. so I don't mean to uh, be uh, to uh, to be an insult. Um, no, it's
1: cool. I'm, I'm my own boss, and I hate myself. Yeah, right. For <laughs> it. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna like. Ye- yeah, <laughs> I need to throw like overthrow myself
0: like these days. But yeah, like, uh, but you're not treating it like managerial in the in the sort of like traditional ag- antagonistic sense, right? Like, yeah. you really are trying to like be one with the teams. And it, it feels like you're kind of like owning that, not as like, I'm doing you all a favor, but as like, I just want to be part of this. Um, yeah. And that's really yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really, like that's still the spirit I, I have. And I think a lot of the devs on the team had too. Of just like, it's like, it's just amazing to be able to work on a game to have a have a shot at it, yeah. and um, and and super rare to be making something that's like a new IP and um, does you know is like indie and has a supportive publisher who's not like breathing down our necks about the themes in the game or you know like the having a non-binary, non-binary having a non-binary character or any of the things that are like still considered quite edgy in some places. Um, we all just felt so I really do think we all like showed up on most days with just like, hey, this is awesome. Let's make the most of this brief time because we don't know when it's gonna happen again.
0: That's cool. So um I cut you off though and I forget what the question was. I'm so sorry. Uh the writing. Oh oh so I was saying the writing felt very um uh economic. Uh, oh, sort yeah. of like there wasn't a word wasted.
1: Yeah, that's that's super awesome to hear. Um and thank you. Uh I all I could say is it was really um a challenge, the constraints that we put on our writers for this game are like so extreme if you think about it, where it's like, um, it's all dialogue for the most part. We have, you know, Lena has an inner monologue, but it's like all dialogue, but unvoiced. Uh, So you're gonna have to like bring, you know, um, you're gonna have to bring a lot into the phrasing. Um, Then, you know, we wanted this game to be fun to like pick up and put down like on your Switch or on your phone. Um, So rides were gonna be very short. And then, um, you know, every ride is an interaction, especially in the beginning um, between two strangers. So Mm -hmm. establishing like shared context is really hard. Um, And then, you know, we're doing branching. So you have to like hold all these conversational threads, um, sometimes quite extreme ones in your head. And then we also branch on emotion. So like the way Lena speaks has to um, and the choices that are available to her have to reflect like four like, major areas of, like, emotional, um, like, like, four major areas of the emotional spectrum that Lena might be on, so it was, like, (laughs) we were asking a lot, um, (laughs) and I don't know, maybe that contributed to the, to the style of, like, just trying to get, um, as much context, like, into every every line, you know.
0: I mean, there's nothing like restriction to make for good writing. Honestly, I, I've always <laughs> totally. I've always believed that. Um, yeah. Yeah no, I, and I wanted to talk about the 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 and I always forget the names of everything in games and I'm so sorry, uh, but it's the the thing that Savvy uh, Lena's friend and we could talk more about Savvy later. But like the thing Savvy uh, her friend gives to Lena the, the basically the like feel good. The, okay, yeah, I was gonna say Fitbit for feelings, so feel good is
1: <laughs> someone <laughs> does call it that. I think at one point. Oh okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the feel good is a Fitbit for feelings. But basically, like it it charts how you feel, and uh, uh, Lena feels anyway. Um, And one of the things I loved about that and one of the like it was just kind of like fascinating to me was this was the way that it, you know, initially when it was described and I I would imagine this would be almost for anyone, the idea of a machine um, autonomically uh, reading my blood and determining how I was feeling and then broadcasting it to people and probably, you know, recording it in an insecure database somewhere in the cloud um, terrified me. You are right to be terrified. You are right to be terrified. just <laughs> truly a terrifying idea. Uh, and then the copy about it is so, so like perfectly like corporate, uh, you know, corporate uh, Los Ojos uh, take right. on, on like, I, I want to say like, it's not woke. It's, it's like the self care movement, the very much like uh totally. Yeah, yeah. Our emotions are okay. And your emotions are okay. And here's how feel good <laughs> will help you realize that.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, so that's um, all thanks to our intrepid writer, Paula Rogers, who um, writes a lot of copy for like corporate, like <laughs> oh, <laughs> in nice. addition to being a wonderful writer, she can crank out that voice, like, you know, in her sleep. And, um, so and I'm, Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad that comes across. And yeah, like we thought a lot about that. Like I'm in, um, Silicon Valley myself. I live in San Francisco and I used to work in big tech and nailing that sort of like, uh, we're changing the world, you know, we're, uh, we're going to like totally bring you in touch with your innermost self. And, you know, this is going to be, this is going to make you a better person. So you can change the world that, that whole attitude, um, making it sort of like I don't know. It's, it's really fun to write a bad guy who has <laughs> such a sensitive, woke face, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I can only imagine. I mean, it's like it it feels very satisfying, like the the whole the whole presentation, like when it comes up, it's like, oh, geez, this is kind of scary. Like what a weird uh, mechanic. And then. Strangely enough, the manual, reading the manual is like, oh, now I, I kind of get this. Like, I sort of get <laughs> what, what's happening here. And it nice. makes it feel like, okay, I'm, I'm interested to see how this interacts with the story. Um I wanted to ask you a little bit about... So, like, the premise of the game uh, is you are moving to Los Host to, to live with your friend, uh, Savvy, who uh, you have had a falling out with maybe, like, six months or a year ago. It's not clear. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, Lena, your character... Is uh, and I I have to commend you for having a game where you could not change who your character is. I think that's uh, another cool limitation. Um, yeah. You are moving to Los Sohos and you work for NeoCab, which is essentially Lyft or Uber. It's uh, it's sort of right. like the the uh, save a couple of technological things because we're in the future or some sort of alternative world. Um, you know, it's it's Lyft or Uber. And then there's another yeah. group called uh, Capra that is uh, all auto- like um, autonomously run cars. Right, right, right. Um, and they are the bad guys. Ostensibly, at the beginning right. of the game, they seem like the bad guys. And I don't know where the game goes. I don't want to. I don't want to make you say where the game goes. But how did it feel? Or like, what was the? What was sort of like a challenge? Uh, or or even like why it was easy or why it was, like, actually helpful to write these competing companies and make one seem, like, noble, even though it had some sort of uh, troubling elements. Like, Neocab seems like the protagonist within the first day, obviously outside of Lena, and Capra seems absolutely like the antagonist. So, like, right. That's that must be difficult to do from sort of a left position. Yeah, that's a really good
1: question. Um, the first thing I would say is that it does get more complicated as the game goes on. Um, and, I mean, maybe I'll just say it here. Like, it is the one game overstate in NeoCab is you can get uh, terminated for a low rating. Mm. And I think that if that happens to you, it's going to be very hard to see NeoCab as purely the good guy anymore. <laughs> I it's, bet, you yeah. know, Yeah. It's a <laughs> reminder that, like, they never cared about you. You were always just a row in a database. And... Um, I mean, like, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but there's there's definitely like a little bit of a twist there. I think the one, one like goal we always had though was to not make this a clear black and white story, either in terms of Neocab versus Capra or any of our characters. Like, Mm -hmm. and and it's like it's weird how making that choice. um, Obviously, there's great media that does this, but a lot of people who played the game have been either really excited or really turned off by this where you know i've had people say like i kind of get the sense that like every character i meet is like kind of not great and like (laughs) but kind of not terrible (laughs) and um, (laughs) i'm like yeah that's how a lot of us see human beings
0: yeah that's kind of people it's not
1: (laughs) right exactly um and yeah and you know maybe that's like not always the most satisfying storytelling for some people. Um but for others they're like super super jazzed about that. Like recent Anthony is a great ride. I don't know, did you get Recent Anthony?
0: No, no, I haven't I haven't talked to Oh, oh wait, Recent oh, the character in the game. I was like, I don't know that writer. Um Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, uh I I have not gotten Recent Anthony. I got um what three did I get? I uh uh is it Liam, the the first yep. guy you meet? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then um of course Savvy and then uh the I know you uh, played Azul? Yes, I, I did get Azul. And uh I also got the sort of like uh Capra walking uh uh like um data miner. Oh yeah, Allie. Allie, yes. Cool, cool. That's a great that's a great set.
1: And so if you if you miss Risa and Anthony, they're like a couple who are on a first date. Um if you miss them on the first night, they'll prop up uh I think
0: they come back on night three okay. as an option. Um, it's a short game, I'll probably just replay it so I can get my yeah. options.
1: Yeah, man. Um, why did I bring them up? Oh, because they're these like these like two tech workers who are on a first date, and um, and just like I'm really really happy with how that ride went because immediate like a lot of people immediately side with one or the other of them, and then we make <laughs> sure by the end of the ride that that w- that we've complicated that for you. That's really you know? cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like you know like it. I think what I liked about the the way that the mechanics of the writing worked was that even if like i sort of saw where a car ride was going like like with with Allie, it was kind of clear that like okay something's going on here she's asking me these questions she's kind of digging for information and then like it's like it, when it when it gets revealed it's like oh okay like this person is sympathetic to us but is stuck in a bad situation yeah. but there are things that lena is unable to say and options you're given that you're like, oh, I'm just going to I'm gonna let her off the hook. Like, I understand where she's at. Like, all right, fine. And then, you know, I'm going to click this one. And the right. game just kind of, like, buzzes and says, like, no, like, you're too mad right <laughs> now. You can't say that. It's yeah. like, yep. oh, okay, I guess I'm complicated, too. <laughs> How did that make you feel? Uh, it was, um, I mean, it was frustrating uh, initially, uh, but yeah. not in a bad way. Sort of, like, interesting narratively. I think, um, Right. You know, one of the things that is very hard for me to do in video games, and I'm, I'm sure I've talked about it on the podcast before, but uh, one of the things that's really difficult for me in video games is picking um, emotionally negative choices or, like, bad guy choices. Yeah. Um, I think a lot about uh, Planescape Torment and how mm-hmm. the, uh, the the sort of cant on that game is that if you uh, played it all bad, uh, it's kind of like you end up feeling horrible. Um, yeah. And I can't like I thinking about some of the things you'd have to do. It's just like, oh, that that would be such a cool experience. Then it's like, I just couldn't do it. I never could make the bad choice. And yeah. in, in Neocab at certain points, like when um, when Azul busts into your car, they um, they seem really worried. And they're like, can you please get me out of here? And initially I'm just thinking like, yeah, OK, of course, because like that's yeah. how I would react in real life. But Lena's only reaction is like, what the hell are you doing in my car? <laughs> you can <laughs> right, only get there right. when you go through the nicer reactions. And it's like, oh, okay, let's see where this goes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's it was such an interesting challenge to write to. And I mean, you've already brought up the main reasons why that interaction happens that way, right? It's it's one, because Lena is a specific person and not a blank slate. Um, so she, for her, her car is like her safe zone. It's like the play, the one thing she owns in the world and, like, right. it's her home right now, right? So um, there's that element. And then this feel grid emotional range thing where, a lo- in a lot of cases, those choices are only taken away from you if you're in a certain area uh, of the feel grid. So, like, if you're red, you can't be, like, chill and nice. And um, in some cases, like, if you're blue, you can't flirt with somebody because you're, like, too depressed to think that your jokes are funny. And, um... I gotta give a shout out to uh, Lee Alexander for making that connection for us um, she kind of made the sort of like when we were talking about the feel good system she was the one who was like oh yeah so it's like depression quest and like you'll take my choices away from me if I'm in a certain state and I was like <laughs> uh, no
0: I had not thought of that but that's brilliant uh, yeah no it's great like it's such, it's yeah. such a good it's such a good way of understanding like how. I don't know. Like it's a good way of understanding how emotions can work and how you can have like different thoughts in your mind and like yeah. know that one way of pursuing a situation is smart and still do the wrong thing. Right. Like,
1: right, right, right. We didn't. Cause like the way a lot of other games will tackle that is like, okay, we'll let you be an asshole, but we've got to make that fun. And cool,
0: yeah, <laughs> right. Or like, there's right, a penalty, yeah. like, oh, this person trusts you less, or like, oh, but you get you know more attack power or something. It's like, uh, right. it, it's the um, the Mass Effect thing, where like, oh, you could be a renegade. It's not you being a jerk mm-hmm. or like a bad person. You're a renegade now,
1: totally. And I love that system when it was new, oh, right? Yeah, it's for just, sure, yeah. It's yeah.
0: it's been you know ten years, um, yeah. and this feels very fresh. Where like, it is it is not a game where you always get to make the choice you would want. Um, and it's kind of a scary thing because you're in a car ride and these people can judge you. And again, it's like, yeah, okay, this is what driving for Uber and Lyft is like, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, our hope was that that then makes like micro choices you make in other rides matter, feel like they matter more within the ride, right? Yeah. Where you're like, if you're taking care of Lena and like getting her a good night's rest, like spending more money, for instance, to, like get a good night's rest or like, I don't know, risking taking care of somebody who hops into your car um, in the hopes that, like, it pays off, that person doesn't, like, stiff you and screw you and you, and Lena ends up, like, feeling chill or feeling happy. Um, yeah. That that becomes sort of a currency. It was, like, it was very, um, yeah, it was definitely, like, untrodden territory and really, like, in, in many ways I feel like by the time we cracked the system, it was so late in the game that I don't feel like we've even fully explore the design space there. So I'm really hoping we'll get more, uh, another chance either through like DLC or I don't know, maybe some future game to like really explore this way of looking at emotional mechanics. would
0: love to see a DLC. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. And I guess like one of the things that I would be remiss not to ask you about is, uh, Los Ojos itself. So you, you basically have taken this, well, you tell me where's Los Ojos. Is that, uh, New Mexico? Is it California? Is it it's Southern California.
1: Okay. Yeah, we're we're very vague about it because the thing kind of has like a dreamlike aspect. To, the the vibe is sort of dreamlike very much at times. But yeah, but in in our uh, in our head cannon, <laughs> uh Los Ojos is um, right along the southern border uh, with Mexico. Okay. In in sort of like the California desert, um, so we we kind of looked at towns like uh, Calexico Yeah. Um, and imagined sort of like. Yeah, again, the headcanon is like, what if San Francisco's billionaires like Peter Thiel and, and uh, Zuck and all of those folks, uh, Elon Musk, all like decamped for like a, a new special economic zone that was built like right along the desert with like no labor laws and, um, you know, no, no, like, I don't know, maybe different IP laws or, or different surveillance laws. Sort of like a you know like a, t- a libertarian paradise zone, and then like built up the this like desert town into this like weird, <laughs> yeah, this weird corporate metropolis in a very short amount of time.
0: Yeah, it feels very much like the kind of um, economic and political stakes of a lot of cyberpunk. Like it, it felt like early cyberpunk, I guess, where it's like yeah. you see these cities and they're like, oh yeah, everything's owned by like uh, you know, Flood uh, Tadachi Group. And it's like, right. oh, okay. Like, I guess everything's owned by that group. I guess it's everything is privatized. That's how it feels in Los Ojos, where it's like, oh, hey, sorry, I'm part of the Capra Squad, and have been recording me the whole time. It's like, oh, <laughs> exactly. Cool.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And 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 like Silicon Valley has those vibes without being. There's no like one owner here, obviously, but right. the way that like. Everyone is wearing their hoodie, um, and their bag has their, like, corporate affiliation to it. Um, yeah, it didn't feel like a huge leap towards the <laughs> flood. Had, I can't believe, like, it.
0: that's weird. I've never heard Silicon Valley described as, uh, overtly corporate before. It's, um... Just, just kidding. It, it, I was like, "What? No, no, no. You should kid. visit. Yeah, we got a lot of news from you guys out on the East Coast." Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah, it, it it totally works. Like, it's 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 really fun. So, like, what was like in your mind, and the designer's mind, and and the team's mind, like, how developed is the geography of Los Ojos? Is that like a fully fleshed out city in your mind, or did you? Is everything you thought of like in the game itself? Because there's a, a fairly robust map.
1: Yeah, um it's it's a great question. There was a the world building is much more extensive than what pops out above the surface, I would say. That makes sense. Um yeah, we spent we spent as much time as we allo- we would allow ourselves. Like we we knew we know that like world building can totally become like a navel gazing <laughs> exercise or just <laughs> where you like lose a lot of time on it. Um, but we uh, did it anyway because we couldn't help ourselves as a team. <laughs> Nothing wrong with <laughs> and, navel gazing. Yeah. That's okay. Oh yeah, Especially, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. We listen to shoe gaze and gaze at our navels, <laughs> and then like, uh, but but we're uh, but but yeah. Like being an indie team, like the like there's so many ideas and like little details yeah. that are in those early docs that just like we couldn't bring to bear on the map or we couldn't bring to bear into the city gen system. So like. Um, yeah, this, keeping the game like scoped properly was really, really hard, um, and it like kills me. There's like so many things that like, I'm like, oh god, I always wish Los Sohos had X thing, um, <laughs> you know? Right. But um, yeah, I've been happy that people seem to be connecting with the overall vibe and getting it, even though like we didn't have a AAA budget and couldn't couldn't execute all of that stuff.
0: Do GTA Los Sohos? Oh man, that would, that would be fun.
1: Those city systems are wasted on those games. My like, God,
0: it just kills me. It kills me. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I I've been thinking about with this game, and it's it's again this is a this is a preference of mine, and I'm glad you did it. Um, I looked up how long it took people to beat the game, um, which I know is sort mm-hmm. of like an essentializing thing, and it's not meant to be by any means. Um, but by and large, a, a single playthrough is not particularly long in. Today's video game world, which I am a big fan of. I think. Uh, Yeah, me too. Focus and I mean, yeah, I know Firewatch and this. uh, We'll talk more about Firewatch later because I would love to ask you a few questions about that too. Yeah, man. But yeah, like focus and like direct approach and just like a a consistency of, I don't know, theme and and idea and argument are hard to pursue in 90 hour games. Uh, I won't say it's impossible, but certainly a lot (laughs) harder. Uh, Absolutely. And this, this is a shorter game and it it, it tells its story and it, it does so in like a very nice focus and I appreciated that. Um, have you gotten any pushback in kind of going against the grain and creating a shorter game as opposed to like, you know, your typical, oh, the, the low end is 15 to 20 hours?
1: Right, right. Um, well, I mean, almost – I could almost say like obviously um, some <laughs> people have. Like, you know, we're on Steam – there are forums there people say $20 for for uh or oh, we're, we're $15 on Steve. $15 for 8 hours what you know <laughs>
0: um
1: so yes we've met those people and i should also say like the game is really variable in length like it's almost all optional content so if you want to speed run the game like you can probably you can get through it in like 3 hours but we hear people go up to uh yeah like 8 uh, is a pretty, like, if you're, like, really enjoying yourself and exploring around, yeah. is a better target, um, or if you're a slow reader. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like, there, of course, you know, there there are still so many people who measure uh, video games by that metric, and uh, obviously we both think it's it's kind of BS. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything more to, like, say about that, like, other than...
0: Well, I'm glad that's been the only thing. Yeah. Like, it seems yeah. like it seems like something people are scared to do, I guess is what I'm saying. Like the, that the inclusion of sort of the, the, I mean, even, even Lena, it seems, I mean, she's a main protagonist who's Brown. She is, yeah. Um, you know, her, her sexuality from the beginning is sort of ambiguous and, and it's not pinned down. Um, yeah. There are non-binary characters. Almost every character is sort of like, arresting visually they have something different about them um and like it feels like that it feels like the shorter game it feels like you know being willing to let your players kind of like figure their way through an emotional system without like a heavy tutorial all this stuff feels like the kind of things that a lot of designers right now are scared to yeah including games and i it's i guess like i was Really struck by that in Neocad, that like there's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't see in other games there.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we um, we're definitely the sort of team who that w- that all excited us. Cool. We also knew we would get pushback, um, and we have actually the stuff like the non-binary um, character um, or some of the themes are we've gotten much more pushback on that than something like length. Um, yeah, sure. Trolls just care a lot more about. These sorts of things, and like when we launched, I I definitely saw some tweets of people being like, the minute I hit the non-binary they-them pronoun, I rolled my eyes and deleted the app. (laughs) I literally saw that. Um, Cool. Yeah, or or like Steam comments where people were like, the future looks like black lesbians. Like, just just horrible trollish... Things and people. My favorite, my favorite genre of Steam commenter is someone um, swearing up and down that they weren't that that they were so interested in buying this game and now they won't because of like a they them pronoun or something. And you're like, brah, you are not going to buy
0: this." You game. really followed it this far. Didn't assume that like might be in the game. Like, there's a chance. Right. right. It's like, yeah. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was like I was. I'm definitely nervous at times. When we were, like, midway through production, I joined, a, like, a Facebook group of cyberpunk media enthusiasts. Uh-huh. And I was, like, a little surprised that it was, like, 70% reactionaries. Like, and then I was like, oh, this makes sense. But <laughs> But, like, it really was, like, very strongly over – like, the right was – was much more um, over was like much, much more heavily represented than the
0: left. Yeah, it's it's the classic cyberpunk thing where you're like, oh yeah, it's a left genre until you like stop and you're like, well, like, who'd be reading the genre? <laughs> who's, right? Who's really into this stuff? Who's into like extreme technology and extreme wealth inequality and like crazy powers and like you know privatization fantasy? Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I'm I'm glad it hasn't been worse than that, because, um, of course, like that that seems like something it could be. But I also think it's like. So we were talking about this beforehand, the um, uh, it is it is National Pronouns Day. I didn't I didn't even know that until actually I saw Elizabeth Warren tweeting about it. So, of course, now Elizabeth Warren's uh, extremely, I would I would probably say a uh, cynical tweet is the reason I heard <laughs> about this day.
1: It definitely was a little cringy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yeah,
0: it's it's all right. But um, uh, there's um, there's an article out on um, the Neocab Game blog. You can uh, find it. uh, The Neocab account, at Neocab Game, tweeted it out, um, about translating uh, non-binary pronouns into Italian, which is like, um, if you know Italian at all, uh, anyone listening... I would know that that's quite difficult because it's a language with uh, masculinization and feminization in uh, every single word, pretty much. <laughs> like yeah. every word yeah. is a masculine or feminine tense. It's a romantic language uh, or case rather, excuse me. So like this is a really interesting game. It's like a, it's a fascinating look and it, it I mean, it's a, it's here's the way I'll transition this into a question it, it's a challenge that I would not have expected to see. Like if I were making this game and thinking like, I'm going to include a character with a of them pronouns, um, I would anticipate pushback from reactionaries or like people trying to call me fake woke to get sales or whatever. Like there's a million ways you can imagine that going where like someone does a bad faith reading of what you've done just in writing the game. Um, but I would not have thought of this. This is, this is a very unique, um, problem that I wouldn't have expected. What other unique sort of like difficulties have come up within NeoCab, either from a technical or a cultural or reception or writing standard? I mean, whatever, whatever sort of jumps to mind.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I'm, I love language. um, And so all of the localization challenges were super interesting to me, um, especially because we did not set out to localize the game from the beginning. Um, Mm. And in many ways, like this, this really was kind of like a, itch art game that got out of hand in a lot of ways, you know, like it really, it was like a tiny team. We're making like a weird thing, not knowing, like, I I think at first we thought it was like a six month, eight month project and not like a two, two and a half year project. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't foresee doing Loke at all and thus encoded all sorts of assumptions into the text that then had to be like disentangled. (laughs) And that's always, always fascinating right because you just you see the edges of your own thinking and like how just you see the world in one way so that yeah like they them being like totally easy and like simple to use is like such a massive assumption because like well you know like what we like would put the name of a of a city street right into like dynamically inserted into the middle of a line of text right well like that's just not going to work in a language where like the 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 like you need a feminine masculine pronoun just for a street, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. In Spanish, yeah. what
0: ellos and AS. It's like I don't I right. wouldn't know how to say they them other than in yep. the gendered ways.
1: Right, and in some cases, you just have to make like really hacky decisions. Like, okay, all of the districts are feminine. Like, all they're all feminine because we did we can't go back in and hand code gender for place names because it's just not important. Like, why did you gender nouns? Like,
0: what? Uh, yeah. God
1: damn it! Romance languages.
0: Yeah, it's good that we have the normal language with no weirdness in it.
1: Right, right. That's the one that we have. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's, it's the one that makes sense. Yeah, watching, uh, watching, a, watching
0: a, a child learn to uh, speak and then read and then write is like definitely a good way to know that English is a totally normal and reasonable language that has no problems. It's yeah. perfectly logical <laughs> and makes sense.
1: <laughs> um, can we pause for one second? Um, yeah. I've just um, – yeah. my, uh, my girlfriend just got home. I, just, no, I don't think she knows. Yeah. I'm on the phone. I'm going to hide out in the back for one second because I'm doing a podcast. I'll see you guys in a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Bye. Um, closing
0: doors. Um, how long has it been? I actually haven't been watching the clock. About 40 minutes. So we got like, uh, cool. I'll. I'll, I'll I've, we can stop whenever you want, but I usually try and keep people about an hour. So I'm not, you know, monopolizing great. their time. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Back on track. All right, so we'll hop in here. Um, so this also reminds me, thinking about sort of uh, assumptions about gender, assumptions about character. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the other game you're associated with, which is Firewatch. Now, you said you were like the junior member on that team. What were your what were your responsibilities when you were working at uh, with, with the the campus campusento.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, uh, joined as a gameplay programmer and tools programmer. So, um, that basically meant like I was very close to the writing there as well. Um, so like I would take Sean Vanneman, who's the writer, uh, and co lead, uh, on the project. I would take his like, like raw text files and, and break them down into, like, meaningful gameplay code. Okay. Um, So, like, all the branching dialogue, um, and then wire that into the world of Neocabs, like, crossing triggers, like, uh, you know, like, time triggers, space triggers, all this stuff to, like, make something like the teen encounter work is, like... (laughs) You know, it's right. like it literally insane. The logic behind the teen encounter was so compl- complex <laughs> that it could break the game like right up until right before we shipped. That's incredible. I think probably slightly afterwards. Yeah, like I could I could give a whole essay on the, but it, it was a wonderful game design. Um, the teen encounter challenge. and essay. Yeah. <laughs> Because it feels so fluid, you know, but, yeah. but it, it, you know, but like that grew up over time through playtesting where we'd be like, oh, of course people want to throw the boom box in the water. Like, <laughs> right. okay, we're going to support that. But then like, what do we do if the, you know, you throw in the boom box, the water, and then you pick it up out of the water. Do the teens react to that? Like, what if you carry it around with you? What if you carry it around with you for the rest of the game? <laughs> um, so in terms of like a crazy, a team that would, was willing to like take a wild idea like that and just love the moment so much that we would make all the systems flexible enough to support that was was super inspiring and maybe a little dangerous but
0: (laughs) hey no i mean it, it worked um i mean did that so like one of the things i love about firewatch uh actually does kind of key into the systems there which is that the game definitely lets you get immersed in this world um to such a point that you like the actual sort of like reveals in the game, the sort of like things that become like that are revealed to you over time and the relationships that that impacts and the way that your sort of like communication with the far tower, uh, is affected. Like all that stuff, like especially vis-a-vis like the, the quote unquote, I won't ruin it for anyone who hasn't played firewatch, but like the conspiracy in there, um, mm-hmm. that you're sort of like charting around the Island, Like, all that stuff feels very, I think, like, the writing's great, um, but it also feels very immersive because the game kind of allows it to feel immersive. Like, you're living in Mm -hmm. this uh, very realized, real world. Um, Yeah. Was that something, like, that sort of, like, immersion? uh, Was that something that you brought with you into NeoCab?
1: Absolutely. Um, Especially the feeling of leaving spaces for the player to... Fill in with their own imagination. Um, yeah, like uh, being able to drop a thread, uh, just a question, and yep. see where that goes. Like you were talking about the like nature of Savvy. or this might have been before we jumped on, but like the nature of Savvy and Lena's friendship, and Savvy becomes miss. like Savvy goes missing, and you're like trying to find her ostensibly, but those sorts of threads of what's wrong with this relationship before she goes away are um, left. Uh, up to the player to decide, or or as you said, like Lena's sexuality, like, what is her uh, attraction to Savvy? Is it purely um, just a very, very close and deep friendship, or is it something more? Um, the story that you tell yourself as a player is often going to be so much more personal and, like, thus interesting to you than something we could impose upon you, so um, I would say that I really learned that from Sean's writing and the design of Firewatch like the ability to say like maybe there's a conspiracy here maybe there isn't like what do you think and then when you respond the way you would in real life then the outcomes of that of getting really paranoid and like blaming Delilah or uh, maybe like choosing to be a bit more chill and like working with her whatever those outcomes are are going to feel like much more owned yeah. uh, to you like I, that, I mean that's what th- knocked you on my ass with with Sean and Jake's like, magnum, like first Magnum Opus, like uh, The Walking Dead season one, mm. was I'd never had a piece of media, and I, I I was friends with them before this came out, and I literally was like on a video game hiatus. I hadn't played games in five years, <laughs> and then I was like, I'm gonna play your game. And at the end, I felt guilt, and I was like, I've never personally felt guilt from reading a book or a movie, right? You know, like that's I don't even know how I
0: how how could I, how, you.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, you guys are geniuses. You figured out, like, a whole new thing here. Um, and that's that's why I wanted the opportunity to help out on Firewatch. That's really cool. And you know, I jumped at it, yeah.
0: So I wanted to ask you, this was something that came up with our in our discussions uh, before the show. Um, like, you, uh, the Neocab team is a really small team, but obviously it's always really hard to make a game. Um, what the industry right now is like replete with scandals and critiques and exposés and people coming out and talking mm-hmm. about just like openly the the kind of toxic uh culture of crunch of like yeah you know how how kind of like screwed up the priorities are in the gaming industry uh yeah. when it comes to the workers themselves um like what is your what is your kind of experience with that what is your What is your uh, personal sort of like understanding of the industry that way? Understanding, I'm not trying to make you uh, name names or like get in trouble or anything like that, but I'm curious as like someone who's been around it for a little while now, uh, what your experiences are.
1: Yeah, well, first I have to say that I've been incredibly lucky and I'm aware of that, that like Firewatch was my first game. Um, I had other friends who were new to the industry at that same time. Mm -hmm who worked the exactly as hard as I did for as long as I did on what ended up being adding a like an uh in-app purchases store to an existing <laughs> import game from China Yikes. that then didn't test well and never shipped. Like that's a lot of people's game dev experience and it's it's really sad and it's a huge waste of labor in and of itself. So I would say like and and you know when I did like Get like hit the ground on firewatch. I also heard tons of stories like this of crunch uh, at like major studios, Um, like yeah, like giant ego bosses um, saying, "I'll I'll ruin you. You'll never work in this town again because you you know cross cross them." Uh, Games, yeah, like working on something for two years and having it uh, axe like all that mismanagement, all that garbage. Like I mean, in many ways, like Campo wasn't always. An easy place to work, but they really gave a shit about treating us well as as workers. I would say nice. And um, yeah, and and then um, you know there were like personal difficulties. A lot of which I could also put like, well, you know, you you learned how to manage at, at Telltale, you know, and like <laughs> Telltale had serious issues. Yeah, as we're learning, so, right yeah (laughs) it's all coming out now but um but so yeah it was like it was Kempo was like such a wonderful creative uh team and and everyone on that team has a really good heart um it was also yeah it was it was certainly interesting to see like what does a group of people who've never been in charge before do when there is no like Big boss, like, breathing down your neck. Like, yeah. p- Panic, you know, Panic was, like, a really wonderful partner in that way. They were very, like, trusting and and didn't, like, overmanage. Um, and it's interesting that something like Crunch can still emerge in that, you know, with that open space. Like, I think there's still a certain amount of, like, cultural... I, I think this is starting to change now, but there's still, like, a pride that some game devs have of, like... Yep, I came in over the weekend because like I care the most. And Yeah, it's like it's like I'm the starving the arc,
0: artist archetype where it's like, "Well, how poor are right. you?" Like if you right. you know, like you should right. you should be extremely poor if you think you're a good artist. It's like totally We might be shooting ourselves in the, or in the foot here. I don't know. Like yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I was actually at like Yeah, it's like time poverty. Yeah, no, I was reminded of it when um I don't know if you follow sports or not, but uh um, not really. It's always funny when I when I tell people your name. I like mentioned to people I was like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm talking to Patrick Ewing on the podcast." And They're like, "Wait, which one? What? <laughs> like not the basketball one?" I did The game just, dev can't get Patrick, him the, on. The uh, the
1: the brilliant Hall of Famer, Dream Team member who later became a game dev.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the reason I have. I, it would be it would be pretty amazing if if Patrick Ewing, uh, the basketball player, also became a game dev, and he was you. <laughs> uh, but I have much more reason and would much prefer to talk to you. I'm sure Patrick Ewing's a nice man, but I don't know what I'd say. Um, but there's a, so, uh, Jimmy Butler, the, the basketball player, um, uh, he was playing for Philadelphia, uh, is now playing for Miami this year. And he, uh, he said he got in at three 30 in the morning one day to start practicing. Uh-huh. And basically it was just like to all his, all his teammates. He was like, Oh, well you were just a little I was getting in on my, my second workout and then everyone started getting in at 3.30 right. and, like, trying yeah. to one-up each other. And it's, like, yeah. it struck me. I was, like, this is, like, there's nothing good about this. Like, not even from, like, you know, take out the ethical and moral thing, which obviously is, like, first and foremost in my mind. But, like, practically speaking, this is a crazy idea. But it's totally. it's clear how it builds. And I'm sure it's the same way in gaming where, like. Yeah. You know, or game de- game dev where it's like, oh yeah, like such and such showed up at this period of time. Are isn't isn't that cool? And then everyone's thinking, "Well, I want to be noticed." And
1: Yep. Totally. It's and that's exactly how it emerges. Like it can start organically from someone who literally is like, "This game is my life. I want to make it the best it can be." You know, like that that's like a a genuine pride in your work sort of thing, and and you're not you're not doing it for money in many cases because like you're not being paid overtime. Right. But then then right, it catches on to the people who don't like who maybe have kids or have a life or whatever, <laughs> and they start emulating you. And then the next thing you know, the product the like project manager who just get hired starts factoring in 60-hour work weeks into the schedule right. and, and shaming anyone who doesn't do it. So yeah, I mean I'm I'm all for um, before you unionize, which you should, but before you do that, see if you can get your, your company to, um, to agree to a like standard work week. And then like, because crunch does make sense sometimes, I think it's okay to say like, don't pretend it doesn't happen. If it's going to happen, let it happen. But then have like an escalation path to say like, why did we need to crunch the last week of November? Like, you know, like, what, what happened and, like, could we, like, plan better next time or something?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing, right? Because, like, um, accountants have crunch. Like, this, I've, I've known a lot of yeah. CPAs and accountants have busy season where, like, they just work 60-hour weeks. And it's, like, you say, like, well, why? And it's, like, well, everyone's taxes are due. Yeah. It's, like, oh, okay, then I guess crunch is unavoidable. So you just kind of, like, factor it into the lifestyle, factor it into the pay, factor it into all that stuff. Whereas in video games, it's always like this kind of mystical problem that just like shows up, and people are like, "I guess that's crunch for you."
1: Yeah, it's the middle managers, man. I swear to God, I feel like some degree of crunch, right? Like to your point about the accountants, is probably baked into our our seasonal cycle, most of us, right. Cause yeah. you had like a harvest time and then you had winter where you literally couldn't do shit. And you know, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: So like, yeah. And I mean, like a lot of jobs have this, I mean, teachers great at the end of the semester. Uh, uh, I mean, and game devs kind of, I guess, end up working a lot harder before release, like when they have to make sure everything's working, but like, right. I think like, yeah, I mean, I, you, you're right. It's, it's, it's not necessarily about eradicating the concept of working harder for a limited period of time it's right. the concept of making it um or it's the obligation to make it like livable and predictable yeah. Yeah. or at least explicable
1: totally yeah like, yeah like you need if you're going to have a crunch period you need a you need like a fallow period you need to do like crop rotation and like yeah. or you'll burn out
0: yeah no that's that's smart that's just like that's just farming 101 <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers act like they never farm i know i'm the, like you, come on we were all farming before you were here game <laughs> developing games like <laughs> come on bring, bring it back um so where do you like what's what's on your plate now what are you so are you are you like taking a well-deserved break are you working more on neocab what are you what are you up to
1: i am hoping to take that well-deserved break very soon um yeah like so like one thing if, you know, a listeners of the podcast might be interested to know is we went on the like we did the game on the project for hire model so like everybody pretty much spun up gradually over time as being like working on neocab and oh. then gradually spun down so that's very right interesting now, i've
0: never heard of that model yeah, before.
1: i mean it's it's somewhat like making an indie film okay. right where you know like you um you're in the midst of production you need makeup, hair, lighting, gaffers, cameraman you know? Mm -hmm. But then like at the end, maybe you need editing and marketing. And like it's, um, as as an indie, like it's one way to do it. I'm not sure I'd do it that way again. Um, And I'm interested in, I'm like starting to read up on other modes people do. Um, But that's how we ended up doing it. And um, that basically means that it's kind of just me now. Like I'm, um, me, yeah. Like, I'm, it's me and um, this really awesome uh, team in Australia who are, who helped with, like, our iOS port, Mighty. Um, so big shout-out to Mighty and their bot army for testing the game. <laughs> um, but the, like, hard part is, like, it's, it's definitely like a skeleton crew fixing bugs and um, responding to support requests. Okay. But, like, yeah, we're very much in the, like, and run there. Oh, I, want, I We need to ship Arabic. Okay. Um. Shout out to Arabic for being right to left. It's very difficult. Um. But I'm so excited that we're going to do it. Um. And as soon as we get those like last bugs, um, and the Arabic port done, then I hope to like take a break. Cool. And yeah, Good. yeah, you should.
0: And uh, yeah. Okay, so this is the big question, but I wanted to save it to last because I think it's really interesting and people should listen through the whole show to get the best stuff. That's um, nah, probably not true. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just such a bad capitalist. I just like I add this stuff at the end. In, in my mind, I'm like, this is a good business choice.
1: This is premium content. This is, this is only for Patreon I'm putting this in the page. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it's just like a five-minute little conversation that I preface it by saying I'm a bad capitalist. It's like definitely on brand at least. Um, <laughs> So what do you, how do you see the politics, uh, operating in, in Neocab? And what I mean by this is, you know, like there's a lot of things you could read into this. I think you can read into, um, almost game dev as a kind of like gig economy light, wherein like it is often contract labor. It is often uh, labor that feels like you have to get that 4.8 satisfaction at all times. And you're doing it on the hope yeah. and a prayer that something comes of it, uh, and very yeah. economy-esque. um, very gig economy esque, um, but there's also like there's also a really sort of conflicted anti car sentiment in NeoCab. There is a yeah. less conflicted anti corporate sentiment. Um, and then there's also just like the mechanics of the game, which is sort of like you are trying to keep yourself afloat as a gig economy person. So you are operating within that system. So I guess like yeah. what I mean is formally well, I'm sorry, formally, and also mechanically, like, how do you see the politics intersecting and interacting in the game itself? Like, did you have a manifesto coming in? Did it come no. out organically? Do you see something different than other people see? Just anything you'd want to say on that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great question. I can definitely say we did not have a, manif- a political manifesto starting out. Um, we did have a very diverse writing team, and we knew we wanted to do. We knew we needed that, right? Yeah. Like, I'm a white dude. I, the last game I made was game about a white dude. Um, I, I, this, when, when we were really working on this would have been like early 2016, when we, were, we were really laying the groundwork. Um, all we knew for sure was we wanted to feel like a near future city. And that meant it had to be diverse. It had to be like taking current trends and like driving them where they seem to be going in a lot of cases, which is like, that's really bad, right? Like Uber and Lyft, have declared we're firing all of our workers. That is the basis of our share price. yeah, we're replacing them. <laughs> you know so like there's there's political elements <laughs> that just sort of arise from looking around you know um, And then like the 2016 election, I think really t- changed things for all of us. like I still remember this sort of like emptiness in the slack minio slack channel the day after the election where nobody thought it was going to go the way it did. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, suddenly the fact that we made certain choices seemed more important. And like, we had to make, like, we just had to do justice to the fact that like uh, Lena is part of like, like basically like maybe Lena's parents were middle-class, but now the middle-class doesn't exist. Right. Okay. Um, You know, like that, that's, that sort of thing emerged. Um, What else would I say? Like, the other thing was like because we didn't have a political agenda like we're not like there are anarchists on the team there are there are communists on the team there's capitalists on the team like there's um like i think we knew that lena as a person is not like quote unquote woke like she is situated she is she has like her experience but like she is so trapped in the gig economy at the story's outset. Yeah. That she doesn't sort of have the luxury of of like thinking about things the way that maybe Savvy does. Um, And like so I think that from the beginning we were like like Lena Lena's voice is very specific to her and it's definitely not like a white voice. It's not a male voice. It's not a like privileged gig worker voice or anything like that. But uh, it's also not like uh, someone who's fully achieved some sort of political awakening, I guess. Yeah, you
0: don't, you don't generally, like, there's no options to say, like, wow, what you should do is uh, have a uh, dictatorship of the proletariat. <laughs> I, can't, I can't ever say <laughs> exactly. that. I looking for that one. but <laughs> DLC, man. Okay, okay. You know, well, we'll have, well, like, a plug-in. I'm just waiting. We'll
1: have it. a plug-in for every, every specific, like, brand of, of communism oh. or anarchism that people want. Oh, gosh, and you thought uh, translation was
0: going to be hard. Uh, (laughs) oh god now now i'm really gonna get bad steam yeah just like oh wow this is what you think syndicalists are yeah okay man
1: (laughs) cancel (laughs) yeah um (laughs) so like but but you know that was interesting actually i mean i will say this like there's um have you met the character gideon no gideon is like i think uh, i love this character she she is a um she is a the scion of, like, a very wealthy, powerful family in Los Ojos. Okay. And so her mom is, like, in with the local policeman's union. She is trying to help Capra's corporate agenda. She's, like, anti-immigrant. She's anti-homeless. Sophia's people. law She's, like,
0: proponent, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. She's for Sophie's Law. And then, um, and Gideon, like all Gideon knows is like her mom sucks and she <laughs> wants to rebel against her, but she's like super young. She's like the most politically like aggressive person in the game. And like, what I think is interesting is she, be- she was a mouthpiece. She, she became a mouthpiece where we could say like Gideon is edgy. Like Gideon is trying to, make a point and say like, I hate this world, which is like something that like only young people can, can do with a certain degree of like passion, I think, yeah. or like, or, you know, or like an uncomplicated passion. Like I've definitely, yeah, I've met like very passionate old socialists and, and they know what they're talking about and Gideon doesn't know what she's talking about.
0: Basically. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: <Sure>. <laughs> but anyway, why am I bringing this up? Oh, she's, um, she says at one point, like, uh, I went to the, the chief of police and I told him fuck off white supremacist <laughs> and like and that like raised some eyebrows like that raised some eyebrows in when we like went to get ratings that huh. when that raised some eyebrows you know like like um both because of like the f-bomb but I actually think it was the white supremacist line that really like gave some people pause and um I guess like It's, it is interesting to me that, that that's still like, what am I trying to say here? Like our market, our like quote unquote free marketplace of ideas, like is, is still a little um, wary about calling out race, specifically white supremacy in like a negative light. Even, you know, even couched as like, we're not... You know, like, the, the Gideon character, like, Lena can respond either saying, like, you're right, kid. Hell yeah. Or, like, Ugh, I don't know that you know what you're talking about. Or, like, are you just doing this to, to like, get back to your mom, you know? Right. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, no. It's, so, I mean, like, yeah. Dave Rubin today, I, just, uh, I mean, I don't like Dave Rubin at all. And I see him only when people quote stuff he's done. But apparently he reviewed yeah. the Joker movie and said it's about, like, it's actually a right-wing movie about how the left gets, like, obsessed with identity and goes crazy. I, I don't know. It's some illogical, illegible reading of a movie that is not as deep <laughs> as anyone wants it to be. Um right. But the the one thing he was like he's like the left is intolerant of other viewpoints and he listed off a bunch of them and one of them was white supremacy.
1: It's like <laughs> come on, where is the liberal tolerance? Or, I'm sorry, right? white
0: nationalism. Excuse me. Oh but yeah. The, <laughs> even the better other, yeah like, the other other white supremacism um <laughs> but yeah no it's it's like was that another white white uh, joke right. from, yes, the, from the 90s yes. yes i love it yeah did yes. you know that pork is not a white meat
1: i did know uh, that didn't we all know that no i did before and after that ad campaign but for a brief moment we questioned it i was like because of that goddamn ad campaign i was
0: i was like the one person left because my i was talking to my wife the other day and i was like she was like, I don't really want to eat red meat anymore. Like, I, I really would like to – I think she ultimately would like to get off meat. But she's like, yeah. I just like, I don't want to eat red meat anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, you like chicken. You like pork. And she's like, pork's not white meat. And I was like, excuse <laughs> me. There was an ad campaign.
1: Um, it's the other white meat? You might not – yeah. Like, please do your research. There, There's two <laughs> there white clearly meats. two it's meats. It's chicken
0: yeah. and the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked it up and I was like, I can't believe I was lied to. by the pork committee um yeah pork commission yeah like american hog hog
1: fat like (laughs) rendering plant lobby i don't
0: know i thought they had my best interests at heart um but yeah no like fuck off white meat
1: (laughs) yeah i guess that's what i'm trying to say here
0: (laughs) no but like yeah it's 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 weird right like it is weird what what things you can call out because of course any given game like no one cares if you make a game where you kill soviets like There's plenty of games where, like, totally. first-person shooters where you kill communists. But, like, yeah. a first-person shooter where you killed cops would be a very hard sell. Oh, sin. God,
1: no. Never. Never on any of the stores. No. Now of the how stores.
0: would you even get that out there? I mean, that's what that's what, like, what, I mean, I'm not to defend Postal necessarily, but that was one of the things that the first Postal, if I'm remembering right, had, like that was one of the problems. It's like, you could kill policemen in this game. Like, that's not good.
1: Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. 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 It was
0: that. And like babies, like those were the things, like those were the, the bridges too far for people. Fascinating. Super interesting. But that
1: game was released. Yeah. That game was released on major consoles or, or was it held up during the, it was held up with
0: rating and stuff like that. I think it was one of those games Mm -hmm. where they're like, should we give this like NC 17 or like NC plus or whatever it was where they like, they couldn't even give it a rating or whatever. Um, man, it's so, it's such an interesting,
1: yeah, I feel like there's, there's always these periods where it's kind of the wild west and you can do really interesting things or you can do terrible things, but you know, like the possibility space is huge, but like, have you noticed on YouTube that people have started self-censoring, not just like cusses, but like words that seem to trigger the demonetization algorithm like really fascism or nazi yeah huh. like i yeah it's bonkers and i don't know whether it's like i don't know whether it's just like an urban legend spreading throughout youtubers or if it's real i think it's probably real but yeah like i will watch some like you know like cr- critical of of uh white nationalism uh or or just out and out nazis like videos where they start seeing like the F word and showing like a fascis on the screen. Weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is. Um,
1: wow. Right. And I guess we knew that there was already some censorship of like anything to do with being gay or trans was potentially considered adult. You Seriously?
0: Know? On YouTube?
1: That's. Wow. Again, this is the current meta where people have reported being demonetized for these sorts of things and, I don't I don't know, I'm not a YouTuber so I can't like it. I Yeah, clarify, no, I'm, I'm but...
0: as far from YouTuber as you could want. Yeah, I couldn't. I this is all new to me. Wow.
1: Yeah. Huh. So, it, it, I mean that's the kind, I mean there's a whole game in that to be made. Listeners make a cool game about, about getting demonetized or like skirting around issues to avoid algorithmic censorship. Just cart life too. Thing.
0: It's just even even depressing in a different way. Um, yes. Yeah, no. That's a, that is a I guess like I'll 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 leave it with this. I think like the cool thing about because I've I've kept you long enough. Um, the cool thing about Neocab to me is that it opens up this space about talking about the gig economy in interesting ways in the gaming uh world. And for whatever yeah. reason, I think and not for whatever reason, but because it is so gamified, I don't think the gig economy is gonna be able to be talked about as well in, in any other genre. Um, and I say this as someone who is, you know, about as positive about other genres of art as you could imagine anyone being Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't, I think video games are kind of uniquely poised to handle that
1: Absolutely yeah, I mean like they honestly the gig economy apps learned it from us, right? Mm -hmm. Like they learned um, the tricks they use from the games industry and um, I, I did a little Uber driving for research from the game and I still get pings on my phone that say from Uber that are like there's a quest this weekend. Ugh. Like, get a $4.55 bonus if you achieve, like, this list of, you know, Man, it's literally so a fetch crazy. quest.
0: Yeah. That's like, yeah, yeah but it, it triggers that part of your brain. What my friend uh, Andrew calls the uh, "the numbers go up part of my brain.
1: Yes. Like, yes, life is an RPG. All my numbers will always watch go Watch numbers go up. And
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah,
1: I love it. I love it. If you have any good numbers go up, games to recommend. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm glad I'm following you on Twitter. I'm sure you'll
0: yeah, me. Uh, yeah, 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 please. Um, and, and what is your Twitter? Where can people find you? Where can people talk to you? Where can people oh, recommend uh, you games that will uh, destroy your mind?
1: Yes, please. Please give me new addictive behavior vectors at Hoverbird. Um, Hoverbird. And uh, and follow Neocab at, uh, at neocabgame.com. Uh <laughs> at neocabgame.com. I'm Joe Biden now. <laughs> Follow Biden at 303303. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, check 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 us out. Google You see just that grab someone's Google vote is... to
0: take a selfie accidentally took the, put the camera on himself, opened their messages and then accidentally locked their phone tonight. <laughs> no, Very cool. That's amazing. But Joe Biden is now I just love... slapstick.
1: I <laughs> yeah i think i think i think he's done. yeah but yeah, yeah that's another another oh podcast. yeah
0: well, i'll have you back on the on the premium to talk about the primaries um oh, hell yeah <laughs> uh but yeah no and uh and where can people i've been asking people this people don't usually have a good answer but maybe you have a good answer where can people buy this game that will give you the most uh bang for your buck mm.
1: Uh well i mean i would be remiss if i didn't okay most
0: bang for your buck most bang for your personal w- most bang, bang for, for my personal buck yeah yeah <laughs>
1: For our team, we do profit sharing. Good, so good. So for our buck, uh, I would say Nintendo Switch, okay. if you have one. Um, if I'm actually um, really bullish on Apple Arcade. Cool. Like, I, I really want Apple Arcade to uh, exist. So um, if you have any sort of iDevice or Apple device, I, I really do urge you to check it out there. It's not the same as buying the game, but it is, like, it does matter. It does mean something. So... Um, yeah I think those would be my two like primary primary platforms if you have either of those and if not then like we're gonna we're gonna be on um, we're on Steam now and we're gonna be on itch
0: really soon. Nice
1: so um, yeah
0: okay, fantastic. Well Patrick, thank you so much for coming on this has been uh, this has been a blast. I've really enjoyed talking to you about this.
1: Yeah, this is a super great conversation hey. um, And cool. come on Thanks again soon can. we'll
0: just we'll, it once it's down to five people, I'll have you on to talk about the primaries.
1: <laughs> that sounds fair uh, I'll just do an episode on Tulsi Gabbard um, my rave fig once,
0: once she's lo- once she's the nominee <laughs> yeah
1: exactly once it's a Gabbard Trump race and we and the veil of truth has been lifted um, among from all the sheeple then uh, I'm there okay for you. cool we'll ha-
0: we'll we'll do it uh, as a crossover episode with my new bosses at Infowars at that point <laughs> alright that's me that's me to it too man talk to you soon
1: later bye